Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome to the Life Coaching for Men podcast, where real life meets real coaching. I'm your host, Dr. Darren Wilson. Welcome in, everyone, to episode number 64 of the Life Coaching for Men podcast. So glad to have everyone with us today. And as I have mentioned for the last couple of weeks, it is a special day here on the podcast. I've been very intentional um, as I started this from the very beginning to not have a guest on until I felt like the guest could bring you, the listener, and me, the host, exceptional value. And I've got to tell you, this is a guy who I've followed for some time now, um, who just puts great, great, great work out into the world and is helping people literally all over the world each and every day. And so I'm just thrilled to have David Nagel, host of the Successful Mind podcast and founder of the multi-million dollar global coaching company, Life is Now, Inc. Let me tell you a little bit about David. David's mission is to teach people to think successfully so they can experience personal freedom. Being in the coaching and mentorship industry for more than 20 years, David has helped tens of thousands of students from across the globe and is one of the architects of the personal growth industry. Through his coaching and podcast, David has helped thousands of entrepreneurs experts, and self-employed professionals gain the confidence and find the right mindset to increase their revenue, turning their endeavors into seven and eight figure ventures. And if that's not the type of first guest that we want to have on this Life Coaching for Men podcast, I don't know what is. And without further ado, welcome David Nagel. Thank you very much for having me. It's an honor to be here. It's an honor to be the first guest too. <laughs> well, thanks so much. And I've been back and forth with our, our guests over the last couple of weeks. Like I said, I've been teasing this out. So I continually get emails and, and texts and they're like, who's, who's coming, who's coming. So oh, I can't wait for this to come out. It comes out on Thursday mornings and it's so many people that listen to it right when it comes out. So just, uh, just really thrilled again to have you here and and uh, what you're going to bring to our, our listeners today. And they've heard me teach on a variety of different topics, uh, including, you know, how to deal with imposter syndrome, how to grow their self-confidence and just become more confident men in general. Um, and today's topic is one that I think is similar, yet very different in terms of what our minds and, and our mindsets are doing and really excited to hear you teach on it. And that is the origin of self-sabotage. So, can you just begin by telling us a little bit, you know, what is self-sabotage and, and how have you seen this teaching really affect men and women across the world? Yeah, I'd be happy to. What's interesting about self-sabotage is that it, it, the idea that it's called self-sabotage is interesting because it's actually a pattern in our subconscious mind that's operating correctly based on the information that it has. So in, our, in the early years of our development, the first seven years or so, um, 
our, our, our mind, our subconscious mind does not have the ability to reject the information that it's exposed to. And we don't have a conscious mind developed yet. And actually, if we wanted to reject something, it would come from the conscious mind. But we also don't have the ability to reason or rationalize or critically think prior to the age of seven. That also means that all of the different meanings that we're exposed to from other people, our mom, our dad, our grandparents, clergy, whatever, the way that they interpret the world is what's put into our subconscious. So we have their meanings of the world and um, it's there, you know, there's no question. It's just like an absolute, this is the way things are. So as we begin to grow older, what we do is we're adapting to our environment based on what we see. And there's a whole part of our brain that's designed to keep us alive <laughs> so that we don't, you know, we don't get killed. It's, it senses danger. It begins to pattern recognize our environment to look for anything that's going wrong. How do we adapt to it? How do we act? How do we behave? Uh, emotional control. So by the time we're an adult, we're very, very equipped to survive our childhood. But if we had, if we had too much dysfunction in our childhood, we're not equipped to be success as an adult. All we know how to do is survive our childhood because those patterns taught us how to, to, to live through that period of time, but it did not teach us how to be successful as an adult. So as I step into being an adult, if I say, I wanna start doing things for myself, I want to maybe be a business owner or change my, um, what I do for a living, I wanna earn a lot of money, whatever it is that we're going after, there is a considerable amount of the unknown that we're stepping into. And the subconscious mind's not good with the unknown. It's because it looks for the pattern recognition. It says, I don't know where we're going. So I have to find what it is that's familiar and then engage that pattern based on what's familiar to bring us back to where we were. Now, when you step into the unknown and it, and it sees that there's nothing there, it literally creates something that's similar to an experience that you've had before. And it causes you to then regress, which we call a subconscious, you know, we, a sabotage pattern, and we literally stop ourselves. But when we stop ourselves, in every case, what's really interesting about it is that something will happen in our life to distract us from our goal. We will see it as some, if it'll have some need and urgency to pay attention to it. And then we will rationalize why we need to do that. And in order to stop, so our, what our mind does is it finds a way for us to agree with stopping. And we actually don't see it as sabotage in the beginning. We see it as, I rationalize what, why I have to do this. Like, this is a real reason that I have to not do what I said that I was going to do. And before you know it, we develop a habit in breaking our word with ourselves and it becomes a real problem. Yeah, that is great. I, I was listening to one of your latest episodes and you were talking about, you know, where you're, you're right on the brink of that goal. And then, you know, our minds instinctively, if we're not careful, will go right into that sabotage mode and not allow us to have that breakthrough when we're the when we're just the closest to it. Very so close. Talk, talk a little bit about that and what the brain does in terms of scanning for that negative and how a lot of the time we don't even we don't even realize it. Right. We don't realize it. We're you know, we're doing everything that we can to go after the goal and any goal that we're going after that we've never gone after before is significant because we have to consciously pay attention to a lot of different things and learn at the same time. It's also, when we're operating from our conscious mind, it's uncomfortable. You know, the longer you have to focus on something consciously well, you know, during your day, the more exhausted you'll be at night. 
Um, that's why like 90% of our day or more is literally being dealt with by our subconscious mind. So as we're going after something, if we get too close to a place that we don't recognize, the subconscious mind will double down on what it's doing. So it's trying to find the pattern, the, the thing that will work to quit. The more you keep ignoring whatever it is that you've, like reasons that you've quit before, it has to find something more, find something more effective. And what I think is interesting about success is that the moment a person recognizes that they want to go after a goal, they don't realize how close they are to that goal. Um, in my, in my, in the work that I've done for 22 years, people are much closer to the goal than they think that they are. It's about being aware and training yourself as to what that actually looks like. So even in starting to go after the goal, we're much closer than we think. But that, like you said, that's an interesting place where the subconscious mind will begin to focus on things that it seems too dangerous for us to step into, and automatically we will um, we will sabotage something. But there's something else behind this, and I think that that what I've noticed is that people will have some kind of a fear that if they actually get the goal that they want, it's going to cost them something else uh, in their life. They're going to lose something, and many times it's a relationship. Um, it doesn't always have to be a relationship, but many times it's a relationship because as we change, we force other people around us to change. So if we notice too much of something that represents danger in our life and, it, and which would actually happen if we were getting closer to the goal, it's like the subconscious is going to focus on something extraordinary that means a lot to you. And that's where you'll kick it in and you'll just go back to the way that you were. Yeah. And I mean, fear, we've talked about fear a lot on here and how to, and how to move through fear and how to embrace fear and, you know, go on and take that step. The thing that, that kind of scares you the most, obviously fear can be a good thing too. Sure. Um, but a lot of times we, we know that fear holds us back when, when you're, when you're helping and when you're coaching, and especially when you see these uh, situations where people are just scared to move forward and they start this self-sabotaging pattern or patterns what are some what are some tactics that you that you would suggest to them? Well, the very first thing that I do when I work with somebody personally is we actually sit down together and we uncover their sabotage pattern before we start working. In my experience, by the time they get into that pattern, it's too late. The reason is is that they will become emotionally attached to their decision. They will make you the enemy. Um, because they need to find, they need to get out. They're already, they're already sold on the reason that they need to back out. It's very difficult to turn them around at that point. But if, when you start to work with a person, or even if they're doing it themselves, if they recognize it, like, okay, I have a sabotage pattern already. This thing is already in me. Let me like decipher what it is so I can recognize it when it starts. And then I can uh, be more effective in what I'm applying to actually break through fear at that point. Yeah, that's so good. Can you give us some examples just for the listeners of what some of these patterns are? Yeah. So, so I already mentioned one. Um, relationships are a big one um, because anytime we change, we force somebody else to change. But, the, but there's a different reason. Usually relationships do not come together based on similar values. Mm -hmm. So many relationships today come together based on trauma experience. You know, people people moving away from pain in their life and they find somebody else that has the same pain and they're moving in the same direction. So if you have not, if you have not really got your life stable 
before you get into a relationship. At some point, if one or the other is going to change, it's going to cause a problem. The other one would be money. Money is a big one for a lot of people. And the reason is, is because we have such split values and ideas around money uh, in this world. Like it's, it's almost like it's the necessary evil, right? We need money, but if you have too much, they make you out to be a bad person. And if you don't have enough, they make you out to be a bad person. So we have money stories that cause big problems. But here's the interesting thing with money. It's not so much the money because I have watched people literally start to increase their income and they do okay. And all of a sudden they get to a certain place and they sabotage. As I started to look at it, what I found was, was that they were sabotaging when they were getting to the psychological set point in their mind where they had a wealth story. But the problem was they weren't running away from the money. They were running away from being seen as wealthy because the story was wealthy people are not good people. And let's face it, if you're going to start to become significantly wealthy, people are going to know it. You're not going to hide that from people. But there's the same problem with people losing money in life. They will get to a certain point and, and they'll stop themselves. And all of a sudden, they'll start manifesting money out of nowhere. And two weeks ago, they couldn't pay their bills. And now money is coming into their life. Again, they reach a point where they don't want to be seen as being broke or down and out or having made a mistake. So at the sabotage point, though, the, the, the trigger mechanism is being seen by people that they want appreciation and love from as not being acceptable in their own behavior or the way that they've chosen to live their life. It's so interesting how this concept mirrors or, or almost parallels some others, right? I mean, the things that we do, as I was talking before about either imposter syndrome or whether it's something else that holds ourselves back. When you talk about money in particular, you know, it's money's a circumstance, right? You can just throw money in a, in a circumstance line and say, okay, what do we think about money? What do we want our relationship to be with money? Someone can feel that they're too wealthy when they're making $100,000, right? Sure. And then yeah. someone can feel they're too wealthy when they make a million or try to break that, that barrier. And I think it's so interesting in, in some of my clients as well that I see when, when I'm coaching you know, what they have been taught, what they have been programmed, either by their parents or by a coach or by a grandparent or, or whomever as they're growing up, you know, the old axioms, money doesn't grow on trees. You got to work hard to get money. That's right. You're not working hard. You're not, you know, all of that stuff. So when you see that in, in some of the folks that you're working with, what are some of the things that you challenge them? Um, you know, how do you, how do you, how do you get them to start to see that there is another way that it doesn't have to be the way they've always thought and the way they've always been. I love the word program because I think that's how we, we have been since, you know, two or three years old, as you were mentioning earlier, yeah. how we've been programmed. So one of the things that, that, um, I will explain to a person is that actually the idea that you have to work harder is a misnomer. The more money you make, the easier it is. And here's the thing about success. Most people on the planet are raised to just survive. They're not raised to succeed. And the value system between survival and success are very different. They're extraordinarily different. They can't even live well in the same place. Um, so if you take money, for instance, and if, you, if a person says they would really like to become wealthy, if they do not understand that the way that they have been taught to earn money is based on survival, and if they want wealth, they will never get there based on survival. 
because it's if they're chasing the dollar every day, they're they're missing a big a big thing, and that they're not developing developing equity in their own value as to who they are. In order to become wealthy, you have to understand leverage. And the leverage you have to understand is time and money. If you cannot learn to leverage time and money, you will never become wealthy. If you work uh, trading your time for money every day, you're, you're, you're working based on money for an hour, it's worth of work. And um, that does not, all you're doing there is focusing on income, right? So it, it can't happen. There's the biggest excuse when you talk to salespeople that they get from when they're selling to someone is they don't have the time and they don't have the money because that's how people are trained to live. We're, we live at the very base of life, which is dealing with time and money and work and our family. And it's very linear. If we want to be successful, it's all about leverage and providing more value, but we have to be more valuable to start. We've got to find the value in us. So first and foremost, I believe everybody is here that has a purpose. We all have a purpose in life. And there is an intrinsic value in that purpose to begin with. It's already extremely valuable. However, if we were raised to survive, what we don't know how to do is to cultivate the value of that purpose to bring to the marketplace, to bring to the world. And that's what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be taking our purpose, recognizing it, understanding it, learning how, the, learning how to develop the skills of life, but then to take that purpose and cultivate it to the point where it's a benefit to humanity in some way um, as we become an adult. At that point, we need to learn how to live from the perspective of leverage so that we're not living at a base level. Because that's the worst. It, number one, the other thing is that I don't care how much money you make. If you're in survival mode, you're, you're so close to a major problem in your life, like death or going broke or bankruptcy or whatever, and if you understand leverage, you can do so much more with everything in your life because it requires more time and money to be successful, period. So you have to understand the leverage and the value has to start with yourself. Yeah, that is so good. And I know as, as part of your teachings as well, and, and one of the things we've talked about too uh, on, on this podcast is how important it is, especially when you get in those modes where you don't feel like you can move forward or you feel like, you know, you've got this overwhelm or it's, you know, whether it's around money or a relationship, I know how important gratitude is as well. Right. And so can you just talk to us a little bit about, you know, how you incorporate gratitude uh, into your teachings and, and for, for our guests, um, again, just to kind of take it a little deeper, uh, how they can incorporate gratitude into their lives on a daily basis. Absolutely. One of the things that I learned very early on, and I'm very grateful that I learned this because I used to think to myself, I would hear about gratitude. I even heard about, about, about gratitude when I was a child. And I thought, how can you be grateful for really bad things that happen in a person's life? And a mentor that I had explained to me, he said, listen, every single thing that you've experienced in your life has been absolutely necessary for you to be the person that you are and to be the person that you're going to become. He said, when you understand that you're here for it from a divine purpose, you understand the meaning of everything is much different than when people who do not understand that are explaining how they're perceiving life. He said, so when you're grateful for things, what ends up happening is that you start to see the good in everything that happened that was bad. You see the lesson, you see the benefit, you see what you needed to learn out of everything because everything is basically a lesson in life. He said, but you have to understand it from a higher principle or it doesn't make any, any sense whatsoever. So when I'm working with a person, 
and they're stuck in an emotion or they have a difficult time looking at something, how it happened in their life. And I explained to them, you know, if, if we would move to a place of gratitude, number one, it changes the expectation of what we want to show up every day. And it changes how we perceive the things in our past. Because if we can say, I'm grateful for this thing and really work with the idea of being grateful for it, we can also then change the way we're perceiving what happened so we can actually find the good in it. Because there is good in, in every, there's good and bad in everything. We, you know, there's a law called the law of polarity that applies to every single thing in the universe. And it says that everything has an opposite side to it and it's equal and opposite. So if it's good, it's also bad. But if you're only trained to perceive the bad, you won't see the good. You literally have to train yourself to see the good. And gratitude is one of the first ways to do that because what it does is it trains the brain to look for something different. We're looking for the good. And when we look for the good, we find the opportunity in the good, right? And that's that's where things become really amazing in our own transformation when we see the opportunity. That is so good. And so some of the things, give me give me a few strategies. Like, you know, we talk about, you know, having a grateful journal or a gratitude journal or, you know, trying to turn around some of those thoughts in the moment to, to be, you know, more grateful. Uh, meditation. Are there some other things that you... Yeah, you what I do, though I, I do all of those things that you mentioned to some degree, but the number one thing that I do and I teach is I, I have a person ask a different question. What is the truth about this, right? So what is the truth about what they're experiencing? And it's not just one side. I believe that a person's not going to move into gratitude, uh, especially when something terrible happened, just by telling them to move into gratitude. But what's the truth about it? Also, it's both an emotional and an intellectual exercise. If they train themselves to see the truth in everything, they're not being led around by victimization. They're actually in control of their own thoughts. And it's causing them to think about what they're experiencing in their life. So meditation and writing down things in a journal, all of that stuff is fantastic. As long as we understand that what we want to do is we want to see the truth in something so that we know how to change our behavior, right? How we show up every day is extremely important unless we keep showing up the way we did yesterday, right? Because then we're just repeating who we were. Yeah. So the idea is that we're growing. And if we're going to grow, we have to understand what we're experiencing from the place of appreciation and gratitude and inspiration for moving forward. I just think that being that we're human beings, if a person is experiencing too much of the bad of life and they don't understand how to change it intellectually without understanding something else, it's very difficult. I mean, how do you say to a mother who lost a child to be grateful, right? It almost sounds like an insult, you know? But if you say, listen, as you work with this, as you go through your grief, ask yourself, what is the truth about this? And keep working with it because when we do that, we're also commanding our mind to find a different answer. Yeah, that is so good. One of the one of the lines that I love to use, it's very similar, and and I would love to hear your take on it, is is to separate fact from story, right? To take the story out of it because we're so good at fooling ourselves, right? We're good at fooling others, but we're really good at fooling ourselves. Yeah. And, you know, when, when we can start to separate, as you mentioned, the truth, you start to separate the truth from the story, then you can really start to see, hey, this is what is actually happening, not necessarily maybe to me, but this is what's happening in the world. How do I want to react to it? Right. And what's amazing about what you just said is it's how do I want to react to it? 
So it's about finding the I, right? right? If a person is if a person is in a story about something, one of the things that I will ask them is whose story is that really? Because the way that you perceive everything, unless you've seriously worked on changing things in your own mind and how you believe about things, your story is actually a, your one of your parents probably. They told you how to think and what things mean in your life and what you're supposed to do with them when they happen. They also modeled emotional behavior for you. So we become a model of our parents, you know, with some variance in, in degree. But if you sit down and say, you know what, whose story is this? And then ask, is that really how you feel about this? Or is that how somebody else felt and you're just following that? What would you say about this if you were coming from your authentic self? And the more people get into that idea where they think about it, they actually experience the separation between letting go of how their parents viewed the world and really accepting the authenticity inside themselves about what their, their own perspective is. What do they really think about something? That is so good. And, and our audience will know, I use that word that you said uh, in a couple of different podcasts, but I love to use that as a technique and say, you know, what, what is the situation really? Because yeah. again, we're so good at fooling ourselves. So you mentioned something there about our authentic self. And one of the, one of the things, you know, I've, I've coached on and I've talked about and even worked on in my own life is, is who am I really, right? Who, what is our authentic self? Do you find that as you're working with people, especially people that haven't done a lot of mindset work in the past, that they have trouble finding their authentic self? Tremendous trouble. Yeah. Tremendous trouble. Because as we were children, our authentic, if you look at little babies, they're completely their authentic self. They were taught to actually stifle that as they went through life and they modeled what was okay for the parents. The idea is that they followed it for so long, they, they forgot that there's something else inside of there. So what I say to them is, you know, what do you think about in your secret thoughts? What are the things that you want to be, do, and have in your secret thoughts that you don't tell anybody about? And usually that helps most of them. Some of them are still a little stuck there, and they have to just need to sit with it for a while and realize that those secret thoughts are still there. And the other, the other thing is, is that there's all, there is something that kind of covers this that makes it difficult for them in the beginning that I have found. And that is they're so programmed with guilt and shame in their life that they, they're self-punishing before they can actually even let it out because their parents guilted them and shamed them. Human beings are not born with guilt and shame. It's taught. And then we replicate it as who we are, but that's not who we are. You know, shame says, there's something fundamentally wrong with me. And guilt says there's something wrong with what I've done. And in truth, there's nothing wrong with you or I. And whatever it is that I've done, if it was a mistake or an error, I did something wrong, the awareness of that is so I can change it and learn from it. Not that I punish myself for actually doing something wrong, right? And that's where we move into the learning aspect of it. But when we get rid of the shame, the great thing is that there is that authentic person that wants to come out. It starts to come out. You've given that person permission to express themselves and you need to start exploring it, but you have to give yourself permission to do it. Yeah. And so on that note, I don't want, I don't want this to slide by us because I don't know if our listeners heard what you said, those three little words, but I'd love for you to talk a little bit about be, do, have. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, What's it, so what I like to say is when I ask a question of a person, I'll say, in your authenticity, 
what is it that you want to what so in the form of desire everybody has desire in their life what is it that you desire to be do and have as a person what is that that's coming out of you because if we are wishing or wanting that is not the higher side of our existence the higher side of our of our person it uh, expresses itself within through us in the form of desire and desire really hits those three areas be do or have because it's the essence of what it is that we're here to do and express ourselves but the first thing is we have to learn what we are and we do that in the being right so is what is it that we want to become if we give ourselves permission to become something and we don't have somebody say no you can't do that and we feel safe in the expression of that we will literally find the authentic authenticity the authentic side of who we really are and i think the more a person opens that door the more amazing it is but we have to give ourselves permission also to do and to have if you don't give yourself permission to do it you're programmed with finding somebody else and somebody else of authority to give you permission and that's something that i find that adults really do not understand that they're doing they're subconsciously looking for somebody else to give them permission to earn more money or to change jobs or to leave a bad relationship and it's it's just a subconscious thing you were raised with your parents in the in the position of authority and you never consciously change that in your own mind and when you do that the first place you do it is in acknowledging the fact that you're an individual and acknowledging what you want to be doing have in life and as you as you think about that and you 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 start to transform yourself especially thinking about kind of that being and 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 in that mode do you subscribe to the to the thought or the theory that you go on and try to become that person before it's happened in terms of inside you start thinking like that person you start thinking um you know in a different way or do you think that it's it's not in that necessary order well i th i think that it because in, in my experience it shows up in diff different for each person mm -hmm. sometimes it will show up as a desire to have something and what i recognized was that if the person would acknowledge having that thing they go out and, and buy it or do it or whatever there is a self-growth process that has to go into acknowledging that and actually doing it and in that they change who they are in the moment so they might start off with getting something different and being able to do the having permission to do it but the growth as far as who they are they have to see something different in that process so i always work with wherever they actually are start there and the rest of it comes in and then that's where the growth is so then what they find out sometimes is they hit a brick wall and they don't know why they hit a brick wall and they don't understand that they have to change their thinking at that point in order to make something easier or reach the goal or, or get rid of a sabotage or whatever so then it becomes literally training people how to think successfully yeah i love it and as we think about and we'll go back kind of and, and intertwine this back to the the self-sabotage piece but talk a little bit about how we sabotage ourselves when we try to people please oh my goodness i mean people pleasing in and of itself is a is a sabotage because um you're doing it in order well we're do, at, a, at a unconscious level we're doing it so that we think we're maintaining safety so what's very interesting about human beings is that when we're born 
We absolutely have to have our parents for an extended period of time or we'll die. That's an actual real possibility. And we are, we are genetically programmed to overcome that so that the species actually survives. In the, in the people-pleasing part of this, there's three basic needs that a person has when they're born. It's love, security, and self-esteem. And in the security, there's a certainty piece. Now, what's fascinating about this is that we are not born understanding any language. So in order to get our needs met, we have to learn to communicate with our mother. And our mother has to learn to understand what that communication is in order to meet those needs. So we start to pattern recognize what that is and we do things in a certain way. So we're going along, we're getting our needs met and all of a sudden for whatever reason, the parent changes the pattern and the baby doesn't understand that the parent changed the pattern and they freak out because they're not getting their needs, their needs met. What they were doing that worked before is no longer working. That, what that does is it creates a threat for that child that says change the behavior to get the mother back again so that you know you're getting your needs met so that you don't die. But what happens as a person gets older is they don't realize that all they've been doing is adjusting the pattern of how they behave so that they always have, they always have the acceptance of the people that are taking care of them. And if a parent doesn't teach a child that it's okay to break away from that, they don't become self-sufficient. So literally they go through their entire life looking at how do I keep other people happy in order that I stay safe? And they completely forget that they're 20 years old or they're 30 years old, right? They don't understand that. And they don't understand that the reason that they're people pleasing is because they don't know how to emotionally take care of themselves and make themselves the authority of their own being. Yeah. And their, their survival and their certainty is linked to another person's attention. Yeah. And what we, what we really long for inherently is to be able to stand on our own. But right. what we do, right, is we sabotage and we look for that authentic, authenticity in ourselves from somebody else. That's right. And it's just the opposite of what we really want. And so I think, I think all of this is bringing that to light, right? It's getting out of the subconscious. It's allowing ourselves to know that we are here in the present. We are here in the now. We are trying to move forward to where we want to become, to whatever that, that version of ourselves wants to be. But we have to be so self-secure in ourselves, right, to allow us to even move forward. And I find That's right. that, and, and you, you you can touch on this, but I found that so many people have such a tough time loving themselves, right? I they mean, do. Let alone unconditionally loving somebody else, but we have a tough time loving ourselves. Right. Well, when you, when you grew up with your parents shaming you and guilting you and attaching that to who you fundamentally are um, and not, allow, not acknowledging who you are and growing confidence and acceptance in that, we can't love ourselves because nobody else did. Yeah. It's the damnedest thing. If you look at nature, it's interesting. If any, if any um, uh, uh, baby in nature is not actually stepping away from the parent at the right time of its growth, to step away from the parent, the parent will chase it off. You know, The bird will kick the baby bird out of the nest. They will abandon their youth when it's the right time if, the, if it doesn't do it on its own. Otherwise, they can't go on and continue the life cycle that they need. But many parents don't do that with children. 
They let them, they do not force them to stand out and develop certain, certain things on their own when they need to do that. You know, they're coddling them. They're, they're criticizing them. They make them fully dependent on the parent. And it's the most destructive thing because the, the person can't find themselves then. A hundred percent. And so when you're working with someone like that, right, you just give, give us a couple, give us a couple nuggets of someone that's out there that's really struggling with people pleasing, uh, might be a friend, might be a relationship, whatever. Uh, just give us a few nuggets of how you would help someone start to understand that, see it, and then perhaps move through it. So what, what I do is I have them, because the way that I view this is it's an authority problem. They have not yet learned to take authority for themselves, and they still see other people in authority over their life. So I help them switch because here's the thing. The mind is designed to understand authority. It's, it's very interesting that if we do not look at different, if, at different ways of having things in authority, um, we really mess up. So what I do is this. Number one, they have authority over their own life. However, if they're going to follow their purpose, because when a person gets to me and I'm working with them, they're usually in the midst of wanting to follow something that they've discovered big in their life. Right. So we usually, we usually incorporate what their belief is in, in the divine, in spirituality or whatever. And I point out that the, they didn't come from their parents. They came from God. Their authority is to God. God gave them their purpose. And God and spirit will show them all the things and help them be exactly what it is they want in life. But that has to be their new authority, not people. And they have to own who they are so that they can develop that side of them. So the idea is they break away from the authority of those individuals in their life. So we show them how to set boundaries with people and we show them how to be how to, how to talk to themselves and actually be self-reliant and, and emotionally well. And to be able to listen to the guidance of their own spirit and their higher self in authority of where it is that they want to go. And it, it works amazing because I believe that if we, if we really listen, spirit tells us exactly what to do with our life, just like instinct does with every other, every other form of nature. We're not here with blinders on, with nothing guiding us in our life. I couldn't agree more. And that is so good. I, I did an episode on imaginary conversations and you mentioned about talking to ourselves and literally we're going to talk to ourselves anyway, right? It's going to, it's going to roll whether we want to or not. We better learn to talk to ourselves in a good, healthy way. And it's really from the time we get up in the morning to the time we go to bed at night of scanning and noticing what continues to come up over and over and over in our minds and be able to start saying, oh, wait a minute, that is that yeah. subconscious programming that has just been going on and on and on for years. Absolutely. Absolutely. So this has been phenomenal. Well, tell tell our listeners uh, how they can how they can connect with you, how they can find you. Some of your stuff would love to to put that out there for them. The best thing that they can do uh, to really get a taste of what I do is is listen to my podcast, the Successful Mind Podcast. It's free. They can learn. I mean, I give away the best stuff that we have on that podcast. So go there. If you like it, fantastic. I hope you get something from it. And if you want to know anything more, you can just go to our website, davidnagel.com. It's that, it's that easy. But everything that I teach and all my seminars and stuff is all talked about on the podcast. They so go there and get it for free. Yeah, that's super. And it, it is so good. And for, for the listeners who haven't heard his podcast yet, he really brings in a lot of his teachings, whether it seems like they're live teachings, and then sometimes it'll be in the studio. And so right. it really changes. And it's it's very a uh, very unique experience for the listeners. So uh, can't say thank you enough 
for your time and for all of the value. We crammed a lot of stuff in five yeah. minutes, yeah. uh, but really appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule. to Absolutely. To and thank you. And congratulations to your first guest. <laughs> well, thank, thanks so much. And, and folks, thanks so much again for listening. I appreciate you being here every week. And I can't wait to see you back here next week. Take care, everyone. Who is your life coach? If you don't have a life coach that you're working with each week, that's challenging you, that's pushing you to be the best version of yourself, I would be honored to become your life coach. Reach out to me for a simple and easy consult at www.drdarrenwilson.com. Reach out this week, let's connect, and let's grow together. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.